the days, the weeks, the months, the years roll by. Where will I be tomorrow? Where will I be tomorrow? The bells, the bells can only tell. The bells of time are ringing, and nothing can stop them ringing. The days, the weeks, the months, the years roll by. Where will I be tomorrow? Where will I be tomorrow? The bells, the bells can only tell. an island what a beautiful song and I suppose that some of you that know that song and I'm sure there are quite a few you would wonder what that had to do with bells well there is quite a connection the great English poet and parson John Donne from 1573 to 1631 is revered today as much for his sermons as for his poems and from one of the former comes the marvelous passage that ends and therefore never sinned to know to whom the bells toll. It tolls for thee. This same passage which gave Ernest Hemingway the title for his famous novel begins with no man is an island. Entire of itself, every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. The text that Joan Whitney and Alex Kramer paraphrased for this lovely song Written in 1950. No Man is an Island. Janet
Kelly, thank you so very, very, very much. You are exquisite. What a wonderful touch on the keys of that organ you have. And thank you for accompanying, uh, giving the accompaniment to me. Hello, everybody out there. Here we are. This is Analog with Angels, Part 13. And we're going to imbue into this message of God's Word today, memory revitalization. It seems like with all of the corrupted foods and the stress of the times that there's an effect that's happening with a lot of people in which they are just seeming to lose a lot of their memory. Of course, I think it has a lot also to do with all of the gadgets that there are out there electronically that replace the memory practice that people used to have. But anyway, we are following the leading of the Spirit, and the Lord has put on me that the imbuement in the words of this message today will be for memory revitalization. And wonderfully and beautifully, the Holy Spirit was promised to bring all things into remembrance. So this is really a Holy Spirit-charged triumph to be a victory for every person as they take in this word into their minds for the healing of their memory to take place. There's a scripture that says, this generation shall not pass until all things are fulfilled. That was in Matthew 24, 34, and also said in Luke 21, 32. That has been a, a stumbling block to a lot of people. The atheists use it constantly to show that, that the Bible is false and that the words of Jesus Christ are false. But ignorantly and unfortunately, they say those things because they do not know the Word of God and how that Jesus spoke in parables much of the time. And if it wasn't a parable, then sometimes it was a riddle. And if it wasn't a parable or a riddle, sometimes it was just a very deep, hundredfold deep Word of God. But when we look at this thing about time and when we look at that scripture that I, of the two that I gave you uh, for the same word, this generation shall not pass until all things are fulfilled. We can read a statement uh, in the book of Daniel that is quite connected to the interpretation of the meaning of this. The ninth chapter of Daniel in verse 24, it says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. <clears throat> to make an end of sins, and to make a reconciliation for iniquity. <clears throat> and so, if we wanted to be honest about things, and we want to look at this scripture, that after these 70 weeks, whatever those are, there is a determination upon the people and the holy city to finish the transgression. To make an end of sins, no more sins, that's what it's saying. And to make reconciliation for iniquity, 
and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, when Gabriel brought this revelation to Daniel, Daniel had his own idea what the 70 years meant that the children of Israel were going to be captive in alien countries like Babylon. And the angel had to say to him, <clears throat> even though, Daniel, you are a, a vivid reader of history, and though you have studied the word of the Torah, yet I have come to give you insight of, of vision and to inform you so that you can have the skill to understand these things. The weeks were connected with the Sabbath. And there was weekly Sabbaths. There were Sabbaths that were land Sabbaths. There were different kinds of Sabbaths. In this particular dialogue, of the 70 weeks, <clears throat> the 70 weeks were referring to generations. And the interpretation of that, of course, could be better understood <clears throat> by, um, you know, by reading the, the scriptures, for instance, starting with Psalms 90, in which it says in the ninth verse of Psalms 90, the days of our years are three score years and ten. A score is twenty, so that's seventy and ten, that's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So we have this revelation of the 70, 80 years, a life generation, not a not a, uh, a, uh, a birthing of children generation. And then, of course, I've read this to you many times, but I will be reading it to you a lot of times from here on out. The 105th chapter of Psalms, 8th verse says, He hath remembered, speaking of the Lord, His covenant forever, the word which He commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath with Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. And in Galatians 3, verses 16 through 19, Paul writes to Galatians and says, this covenant that was made can never be disannulled. So this thousand generations can never be disannulled. And when we begin to understand that this thousand generations is a long, long time because you take this thousand years of covenant, the thousand generations, and you multiply it by the time of the average lifespan, which is 70. 
and you end up with 70,000 generations. So when Jesus said, this generation shall not pass until all things are fulfilled, one of the most important things that the gospel is about, that the Bible is about to fulfill is the salvaging and the saving of the lost. All of the laws that were written, they're great and they're okay, but they're basically in, in, in wrapped and, and bound up in a sculpture that has to do with the threats of punishment if you break a law. And it didn't take too much of an act to um, get a punishment that had to do with being stoned to death. If you just went out and did some work on the Sabbath day, even though it'd be very light, you could end up stoned to death. Those were the, the laws of the curse. The laws of, of love, except for two, were basically put into in the invisible covenant part that people could not see because of the sins of Israel and the worshiping of the, of the calf, the golden calf idol. So the laws were not the thing. As select people like to say, the, the commandments, that's it. But the commandments that were really important were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your, love your neighbor as yourself. And that ties in, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And no greater love has any man than he that will lay down his life for a friend. That was the part of the laws that this was about. The love of God. And God giving 70,000 years of time for this whole salvage operation which commenced because of things that Lucifer did as a covering angel that eventually caused a whole bunch, in fact, all of the Ophidim angels except Yaviel, to fall to the earth as described in chapter 12 of the book of Revelations. So all these things that have to be fulfilled, <laughs> they're stretched out for a long, long time. They're going on and on and on. And people have not been able to get that in their brain. And so people have been out there preaching the end of the time. We know it's evident that the disciples had all kinds of problems with understanding what Jesus said. He clearly told them, I'll meet you at Galilee after the resurrection. They stayed hold, hold up and if it wasn't for a couple of ladies that went out to the, to the tomb site and saw the miracle of resurrection and met with Jesus Christ and then informed the disciples 
We don't know when it would have been that they would have got the message, but I'm sure they would have gotten it because Jesus sooner or later would have appeared to them as he did. But there have always been raptures and resurrections. On the cross, when Jesus gave up the ghost and the earthquake happened, the graves opened. People arose. And in the book of Josephus, who was a first century Jewish historian, he tells the story of how that there had been a word of God come forth that when this thing would happen, when the Roman invasion would happen, that happened in 70 AD, that they were to flee to a certain city. But at that time, there were also a bunch of false prophets and a bunch of false priests. And they said, no, no, no. Don't go there. God has shown us that you are to all go into the temple. And you will be safe in the temple. No one will bother you in the temple. And that's where you are to go. Well, that's where the majority of the people did go. They went into the temple. They thought they would be safe there. And the Romans killed them and destroyed the temple. Only those people that went off into that other city that Josephus writes about ended up being raptured. There's been lots of of being taken up. Enoch was taken up. Elijah was taken up. And there's a whole group of people that were taken up prior to the flood when Jesus descended and, and led captivity captive. There needs to be a brightening of these teachings. Well, today, as we get into Analog with Angels, Part 13, you are going to have a chance to be liberated in a beautiful and wonderful way. Blessed be the name of God, a clearer, a clearer morning for us than has ever dawned is dawning because certain determined souls refused to outgrow the integrity of wholesomeness called truth and liberty which by the same integrity they refused to renounce continuous revelation now comes the report which says that great winds of the Holy Spirit have filled the hearts, the hearts of the loyal and the true. Therefore have the strokes of the evil one failed to dislodge our faith, which is the heavenward growing vine. Therefore we have zoomed, because we were too ignorant and vacant of doubt. And bless God for being ignorant and, va- and, bl- and vacant and vacant of doubt. We were too ignorant and vacant of doubt to disbelieve the phenomenal aspects of the holy truth. Now we know that deep within our innermost being, we have always known the truth. Therefore, we shall continue to sail the skies until again we find our home from which we from which we sadly long ago wandered
Wow. Unto this flow, unto this flow of knowledge and wisdom, let it be as fumes of the burning bush. Let everyone understand to not hide their face, for God's light is shining upon it. Let everyone understand to not say this is a passage beyond their grasp. Inhale this fragrance, this aroma, this smell, this breath of the angels, for it is time to meet your inner divine person. You are called to ride the sparks and the bolts of flames that rise upwards. There is an aperture where you may transcend. You will never hear screams of discontent where God is wanting to take you. They cannot be uttered there. In the solace of this knowledge that is dawning, you are coming more and more day by day to understand the purpose of civilization. And it is more and more being manifestly understood. The clash of paradigms is resolved by a new way of thinking. The clash of conflicts are not endorsed by any abiding souls who have assigned themselves by the Spirit of God into this higher rank because conflict is made of no account as regards infinite geometry, which is the math of the continuum of existence. Yes, you may have to listen to this more than once. In Exodus 28.31, we get into our teaching here today, right now. Verse 31, Exodus 28. Thou shalt make the robe of the ephod of blue. Why blue? Why not so many other colors? 32. And there shall be a hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. And it shall have a binding of woven work around about the whole of it. 33. And beneath and upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue, of purple, and of scarlet, every one of those curl of those those colors have sensational meanings and applications. And these pomegranates shall be made of these various colors to be around about the hem thereof. And bells of gold, that's B-E-L-L-S, bells of gold between them around about. Verse 34, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem or the fringe of the robe around about. Verse 35, and it shall be upon Aaron to minister and his sound shall be heard when he goes forth unto the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out that he die not. Now these bills were put around the hem, around the fringe. 
And we're going to discover how important those bells were. Because those bells that he was wearing was a designated ministry epic. And he was to wear those before he went into the Holy of Holies. And the bells had a certain sound and said a certain message. And it was an absolute essential thing. So that people would be able to hear him coming and get out of the way. And so that there would be a preparation by this sound. as he proceeded to go into the holy place before the Lord. And also being a binder upon him and a seal and a protection, even for when he came out of the holy place after he finished his ministry, that he die not. This isn't just some simple little trek where people were just extremely into overzealous symbolism this was so serious this was so important this was so revelating that if you didn't get it right you could die this thing about sound is not anything less then has to do with the magnitudes. When God showed me the connection between Psalms 19 and Romans 10, the line that goes out into all the universe, and that same line in Romans 10 called sound, that also went out to the whole universe and was so emphatic and so prophetic that Paul says, is there anyone that has not heard the word? And he said, no. There is no one that has not heard the word because there is nowhere that this sound has not gone. And it's planted into everybody. So in John, the first chapter, it says, Every man that, that is born into this world comes into the light. No exceptions. The kingdom of God is within every fallen angel born into a physical body. Yes, they have to find themselves. They have to discover that inner kingdom. There will be a lot of mountains to climb. There will be a lot of overcoming the discord that is so strong a function of the mortal beast body in which we live. But it is possible through the spirit and power of God. And going on, we see how that in Zechariah 14.20, it says, And in that day, there shall be bells put upon the horses. Now here, 
the prophet Zechariah is jumping far ahead in the trackways of time. It is after great cataclysmic, cataclysmic disasters have been experienced. There is a window of time often called the millennium. He speaks about bells upon the horses. But horses, you know, don't just mean horses. When we have an automobile and we talk about the power of the engine, it's referred to in horsepower. What is the horsepower of your vehicle? And when people start talking, you know, 100, 150, 350 horsepower, that's equivalent to 350 horses. It's no longer really talking about horses in the sense of conveying them as being the living flesh creatures as horses. But it's sort of like Second Kings 2.11. When it said, and it came to pass as Elijah and Elisha still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Now, no one would want to ride a regular horse that was on fire. This is something totally different. And it parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. In Ezekiel chapter 1, it talks about, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the, nor out of the north and out of the midst of the fire. It talks about these living creatures that were in this whirlwind this wheel in the middle of a wheel. Ezekiel 1.14 says, And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now we are really seeing the kind of horses that it's talking about here. Ezekiel 10.20 says, And I knew that these creatures were cherubim. Now we see the depiction here is that these cherubim are inside these wheels that have all of this horsepower energy. And yet somehow that is all connected to the robe of the e-pod and connected to the blue, connected to the hinge, the fringe, with the pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet, connected to the hinge, the fringe, with golden bells, so that it is a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, following one after the other until the whole circle of the fringe of the robe has been placed in that proper perspective. There is a deep, deep, 
deep river that flows from the throne of God in these verses. In these revelations of the pomegranates and the bells of gold. There are stories that lie here, having waited for generations to be revealed. In addition to this ephod, ephod robe, there is what's called by the Jews the talit. And what it is called in plainer English is either a cloak or a prayer shawl. And it is considered to be a little tent that you can pull up over your head. And under the covering of that cloak, that prayer shawl, you can have a personal communion with your Father which art in heaven. Paul was involved in that. In 2 Timothy 4.13, he writes to Timothy and he says, When you come, bring my cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. That was important to him. In fact, we will read later that Paul made a living as a tent maker. But there suffices to be enough information to establish that the tent that it was talking about was not the big kind of tents that a family might live in, but was the tents that are that are, that they are called being prayer shahs, the talit, little tents. We will get more into that. And this little tent, this prayer shah. In Numbers 15, 38 through 41, Numbers 15, 38 through 41 says, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And they put upon the fringe of the borders a rib band, R-I-B-B-A-N-D. Many times just translated as ribbon, B-O-N, R-I-B-O-N, R-I-B-B-O-N. Ribbon of blue. And it shall be to you a fringe to look upon and to remember the commandments of the Lord. I explained that to you already. But no doubt, these, these fringes, these corners, four corners, were to have these tassels put on each corner called the zizith 
T-Z-I-T-Z-I-T. Or T-Z-I-T-Z-I-T. Tassels. They were on the fringe. And there was four corners. And this four corners and four winds and four rivers all depict about the four kinds of men, the four beasts that are being represented by the cherubim and the seraphim of the human race. And these tassels were to be worn on the lower um, part of the which was the hinge or the fringe of the robe. But they were also to be on the corners of the prayer shawl. Well, on the robe part, it was significant as representing the ministry of the kingdom of priests, whose ministry is to bring light unto the world, whether on land or seas, or whether in local skies, or in skies beyond Earth's world. For they are called to preach the everlasting gospel. And Jesus said, Go ye, you into all the world and preach this gospel. And when you translate from the Greek, what the word was is cosmos. And so let's go with you into all the cosmos and preach the gospel. And so they have this robe, but they also have this little tent, this cloak. And when the Bible says in Acts that Paul was involved in making tents for a living, it's an excellent probability that it is talking about these cloaks or these prayer jaws because they are also called tents. Wow. And these zizits were, were like strings of tassels and there was a certain number of strings, eight tassel strings per corner, and each had five knots. You multiply it out, you get the number 613. When you add the value of those numbers sideways, you get the number 10. There's lots of meaning in all that. An incredible scripture in Psalm 61.4. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Can anybody ever imagine that in the heaven of heavens or even in the heaven which is the Father's house that God is dwelling in a tent and not a mansion, not a palace, as the scriptures say? Of course not. Even when the word closet was used, Jesus said, go into your closets and pray. That is relative to going into your prayer shah, the talit, 
the tent, the cloak, yes, the prayer shah, and praying. Psalm 61.4, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, Selah. How does the tent and the wings come together? They come beautifully together because when you get into this thing with the pomegranates and the bells and the tassels and the zizits, which we call ziths, instead of spelling it T-Z-I-T-Z-I-T, we spell it Z-Z-I-T-S. Wow. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. There is so much beauty in the Word of God. So much beauty. It is just nothing but glorious. We remember in Psalms, uh, pardon me, Matthew 9, 20 through 22, when the woman touched the fringe of Christ's garment and was healed of a blood disease that she had for twelve over 12 years. And that was all prophesied in Malachi. We'll get to those scriptures here before too long. We're beginning to see some important stuff. Like in Jeremiah 48, 9, the Hebrew word that is translated in that scripture for Zizith they have translated the very word in the Hebrew, zizith, to, to wings. And we've taught you where that when it says wings, it is referring to angels. So as we begin to follow out all of these different important things, it is an incredibly incredible opening to us. Wow. In Psalms 113, 4 through 9, it says, The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. And he, the Lord, built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth, which he established forever. Now he's talking about some place that he's built that is like the earth, but there are palaces on it. Well, in John 14, 1 through 6, Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Palaces, mansions, yes. A planet like the earth, yes. It's right here in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Psalms 113, 4 through 9. The Lord has built a, a sanctuary, 
his father, the father's house with palaces or mansions, which it describes in John 14, 1 through 6. And it's like the earth. It's a planet like the earth. It's got oxygen. It's got water. It's got mountains. It's got moons. It's got a sun. And we understand this when he says he established the earth forever. We understand that when we actually look up and search this word forever, it simply means the vanishing point. It means it's such a long time, it's such a long, long time that it's not numerically uh, functional to try to put it into uh, a number. And so that the actual length of time of existence is basically the vanishing point in one's mind of being able to, to uh, have a comprehension of it. Second Peter 3.10 that I read you uh, to you last week talks about the end of the earth and the heavens, me meaning the atmospheres of the earth. We know that before that end comes, and we know it's not, it's not like what people are preaching right now, that it's just a short time away. When I prophesied some quite long time ago to not get under the, the, the gravity and the weight and the lies of politicians and of broadcasters and news agencies and people from many churches, sadly to say, that were given false information about the end of the world. And they were basically saying that the United States is going to crash. It's going to, you know, basically just become a defunct nation. And I said, don't listen to that. That's not in the making. I said, there's going to be a tremendous upheaval in wealth and riches come to the United States. There's, they're going to be, become one of the most powerful oil-producing uh, countries in the world again. And I had people say, absolutely not true. That's absolutely false. That's of the devil. Well, it's already happened. There is so much oil being produced in the United States now, and at the rate that they're going, within just a matter of a few years, they'll be the number one producer in the entire world. When I've told people, You've, we've got, got the prophecy, you can read it yourself, about there's not going to be a world war. All the way to, to 2020, and I'm not, wasn't prophesying beyond that, said, don't worry about it. There's not going to be a, a, a world war. Well, I'm going to close here in just a minute <clears throat> for a little bit. But the thing of it is, is this. There was a couple supposed young ladies that dreamed that because of this problem in Syria, it was going to cause World War III because the United States was going to bomb them and then Russia and Iran and all these other nations were going to get involved. And I've been telling people for, for a long time, no, no, it's not happening that way. All of a sudden, it got all turned around. Well, how do you know a true prophet when the things they prophet come, prophesy come to pass? 
and all these other people that are prophesying one false thing, one lie after another. You ought to know what the, what's, what's going on with them. Well, we're going to have to take a break. Janet Lee is coming to the Oregon. We'll be back.
Thank you, Janet Lee. Appreciate so much your spirit of playing. And here we go, folks. <clears throat> so I mentioned Jeremiah 48.9. And to read the verse is this. Give wings unto Moab, that it may flee and get away. And the word wings comes from the exact same word as zizit, which is zith. And so here is a, a nation of people, Moab. And I know there's some times when Moab finally did enough things that God brought destruction upon it. But that wasn't always the case all the time. Because here's a scripture in Jeremiah 48, 9. Give wings unto Moab that it may flee and get away from the cities thereof, for they shall be de desolate and without any to dwell therein. There's coming this horrible destruction to these cities of Moab. But, but God is preparing a rapture for some people. And he says, give wings, which comes from Zizith, the fringe. So this Zizith, of course, which represents what a lot of people are calling UFOs, and we hope to have the time to get into all of that today from Mount Ezekiel, is what are called the wings. And last week we showed you that the wings and the wheels are the same thing. And so the angels are, the cherubims are, the, the cherubims and the seraphims are riding in these ziths, which are these wheels with these rims. And with these eyes, which we want to get into an explanation of that. And it says, let me interpret. Send down some ziths unto Moab to help them be able to flee and get away from the cities that are going to be destroyed and made desolate. Wow. It's right there, ladies and gentlemen, in the Word of God. So, Zizith means wings, and wings can mean zizith. Wings from the fringe to rapture, to move, or to, to help selected Moabites to be able to get away from that destruction. And then earlier I talked about the scripture in Malachi that tied in with the lady who was healed that touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. In Malachi 4.2 it says, the son of righteousness. Now isn't that interesting that it says the son of righteousness. S-U-N, not S-O-N. And it's not a mistake. That was the intended thing. The son of righteousness. And that's because of all of the revelation that's throughout the Bible about the son. And, and how that as long as the son lasts, that time is going to go on because the sun is the is, is a time bell and so it says the, the sun of righteousness it's not making the sun itself righteous but it is comparing this importantness of star time the star time that refers to the righteous and so we see that in the creation that the generations of the heavens, as it describes, 
in the second chapter of, of, of Genesis that these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day so that the day was not a 24-hour period, but all of these first and second and third and fourth were beginning and ends of a generation being designated by those numbers compared to common 24-hour days. And we see that then we're on star time, according to Genesis uh, 1.14. And let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. Talking about they being the, the sun and the moon. And so you have the generations of the heavens. The star time, the sun. And you have day one, a billion years. Day two, a billion years. Day three, a billion years. Day four, a billion years. And then the scriptures start changing and it gets into the, into the millions and the thousands. It's all in the book. Back to Malachi 4.2, the son of righteousness, star time, will arise with healings in his wings. Now these unusual terminologies. The son, S-U-N not S-O-N, of righteousness. Being involved in this star time, it's going to arise with healing in his wings. Where is this healing in his wings? It's the tacits. that are on the corners of his garment that literally translate to meaning wings. And we gave you the scripture showing that when we were talking about Mob. And so this was an incredible deep prophecy given in Malachi 4.2. The son of righteousness, putting it in the perspective of this long, long time of, 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 you know, of which Jesus said, this generation, meaning the, you know, the covenant of the thousand generations, which according to Malachi chapter 3 cannot be broken. This thousand generations, which is 70,000 years, which is equal to the 70 weeks of the ninth chapter of Daniel. So in Matthew 9, 20 through 21, the woman diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years came behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment. And the Greek word, kaspidon, is equivalent to the Hebrew word, zitzit, and that can be pronounced different ways, which means tassels, which also translates to mean wings. And so we have the wings that are represented in the, these tassels that Jesus wore at the hem of his garment. And we've seen art pictures where, where Jesus wears a cloak over him. Of course, that has to be just imaginary painting, but I think people got the idea from scriptures. And that cloak, of course, was like a prayer shawl. 
because this goes way, way back to Numbers, I think it is 15. It's been going on for a long time. And let me dwell in your tent forever. So someone will say, well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 7, that men are not to have their heads covered. Oh, well, aren't you incredible to come up with a scripture like that? So uh, how come you allow your husband to sleep in the house? Why are you doing that? Are you willing to break the scripture? Because isn't the roof covering his head? Why do you allow him to use an umbrella? Because doesn't the, the umbrella cover his head? You know, we have to apply these scriptures in the understanding of what they are referenced to. And when we don't do that, then people just set up a lot of blockades ignorantly because they don't know the scriptures. When men, the Jewish men, wear the prayer shahs, a lot of the Christians think that's against 1 Corinthians 11, 3.10. That's because they don't understand the meaning of the prayer shah with its four corners and its tassels and its wings and all the numerical meaning of how it is tied into knots and, and the colors that go through the shah, like the blue, which, which represents going out into all of the cosmos and preaching the gospel. And they don't understand the scripture in 1 Corinthians 11.10 that says, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Well, when you really get into this connection in the Bible with the, the translated meaning of this, this shah and of the robe with the the pomegranates and the bells that are all available right there and that have a meaning, a deep meaning, you begin to realize that this thing about the angels on her head is not the idea that they try to say, well, the husband is her covering. And so the word angel actually means her husband. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. This is talking an incredible thing, and this is talking about this whole revelation of the prayer shawl that has the tassels, which is the fringe revelation, which goes back to including the wings, which goes back to including the cherubims and the seraphims that ride in these ziths that are depicted by the, the zizith. in all these different revelations of Scripture. And so the angels on her head are these prayer shawls. So someone will say, well, the Jews don't allow the women to wear prayer shawls. That is not true. They prefer them not to, especially if they go before the, the wailing wall. But if you go back into Exodus, you find that, that this commandment was given to the children. And it didn't say just the male children. It was children of Israel, which included both male and female. 
And then when you read this thing in 1 Corinthians 11 20, it says, For this cause ought the woman, not ought women, but ought the woman, which obviously is talking about the church, which incorporates both male and female, because the church is both the man and the woman and the children, which are male or female. And so when you're talking the church, then in in that corporate body, uh, you know, there is neither uh, male nor female singled out because they have all come together as members, uh, you know, in particular, but members that make up this new corporate order, the bride of Christ. And they've got the power on their head by the angels. Because they are representing in this prayer shawl. And no wonder Paul had a cloak. And no wonder Paul was making these prayer shawls uh, for a living. Because he had an understanding. He was caught up to third, to third heaven. He had an understanding that the, that the regular person did not have. Wow. Now we begin to see these incredible connections. Now, let's just look at something here. Because it is so utterly beautiful. So utterly, utterly, utterly beautiful. These bells... You know, they have a message. They're golden. They're pure. And these bells were made for a purpose. And they go way, way back because if you go all of the way back to some of the offspring of Cain, you have the person that was born who's called Tubal Cain. And he was an artificer of brass and, and, and iron. And the making of bills go way, way back. It was made on the, by the side of the forces dark as well as being made on the side of the, of the, of the, of the, of the people of light. And so as we, we start getting into these bills, I, I gave you a little bit of a hint last week about this company in Australia who had perfected the alloys, that, the alloids, A-L-L-O-Y-S, alloids that they used, and were able to tune this bell so that they could get the humus, the, the human sound of voice, and they could, they, they could perfect the pitch. And they have achieved that. Well, we know that these things with bills have been going on for a long time. A person found in, who was using coal to burn, and he had a big chunk of it, and he was carrying it over to his stove to put in, and he dropped it, and it, when it broke apart, he looked and he saw embedded in this piece of coal, a bell. And this bell had on the top of it a teraphim, a, not 
on the on the good side, because that once was a word that applied to both good and evil, but it mostly became evil, and it had a tariff on top of this bill, and they were able to totally restore it. It was just like preserved in that coal, and they've dated it back to to thousands and thousands and thousands of years. This bell thing has been around for a long, long, long time. And this understanding of the bells are so important. Now, we're going to find, and I read to you, how that when Aaron put on his ephod and put on, had the, the tassels, the fringes and all of that, and the bells and the pomegranates with the proper colors, how that, that was a matter of life and death. That was such an important thing to prepare the way for no one to get in front of him or get too close to him and, and for it to open the way for him to come before the Holy of Holies to, to communicate with God. And then to be able to leave that presence without being killed. Well, in Genesis 3.8, the Bible says that after Adam and Eve had partaken of the, of, the, of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, knowledge, that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, we know that people walk, but it's very, very different and very, very strange when a voice walks. So what was this talking about? Well, because how this voice was walking was it was being carried on the fringe, on the hem of this angel who was wearing this sacred gar garment way, way back then. And it was to notify Adam and Eve that the angel was near and the angel was coming their way just to protect them from this sheer exposure to the dynamic power radiating from, from the angel. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this thing on the revelation of the pomegranate and the, and, the, and, and the tassels, the fringes, and the bells, it's all about the angels preaching the everlasting gospel in the skies that it describes in the book of Revelations. Flying in their, their, their chariots of fire, their wheels and their wings, all having a special interpretation and meaning. There's all these mysteries about the voice, like in Psalm 77, 18, the voice of thunder. In Exodus 19, 16, the voice of the trumpet. In Deuteronomy 4, 12 and 4, 33, the voice of the Lord speaking out of the fire. In Job 37, 2, when they didn't understand what to call it, they didn't know how to even give it a name. 
And they talked about the noise of his voice. They recognized it as being something totally different, but they didn't know how to put it on. In Psalms 29, you can really read there about the Soundtron voice. And what does this tie into? It ties into, ladies and gentlemen, 1 Corinthians 13.1, tongues of the angels. Because the Bible says there are the tongues of the angels. And we don't hardly even hear anyone talking about the tongues of the angels because they don't know what it is. But when these bills were being worn by Aaron and by this angel, when they tingled, it tingled the voices of angels. And not only did they tingle the voice of the angels, but the voices of the angels were repeating the lost and unknown word of God. The YHVH. Some people say the YWH, but there are no actual W's in the Hebrew alphabet. But there is a V. And I understand how they transliterate and, and they, they, you know, use the W. But, you know, when we made the translation of the Tetragrammaton, we used the V because that was correct because it was part of the language. I am and I am. Each letter stands for a number. And each letter stands for a sound. The Y has a value of 10. The H has a value of 5. The V has a value of 6. And again, the, a, the H has a value of 5, which is equal to 26 in number. But each letter not only has a number, it also has a sound. And it is the sound of the secret name of God, only known by the, these letters, Y-H-V-H, and that these angels' voices are singing as that those bells tingle the name of God. And the whole act, as described in Zechariah and Isaiah and the Old Testament, is about the holiness unto the Lord. What a sacred, beautiful, incredible thing that has been missed and not understood, that has been lost. Yes, there is a new dawn that is dawning. And this word that has been stuck and lost is opening up. And when God said in Numbers 15:38, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments. And this rib band of blue, I, I'll get into that maybe probably next week. There are so many interesting things. 
All these numbers have a relationship of meaning. All these colors have a relationship of application. All of these revelations are a story. Yes, Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul said, please bring my cloak that I left at Troas. And, and Troas was a place that he was sent by the Holy Spirit. And he tells about how that a door opened up and he was able to go there and minister unto God. God is moving by his spirit. He, he's opening up doors. He's, he's opening up these revelations. There's an old, old saying. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. They didn't really know what they were saying when they said that. There was more to that than what they understood. But there is a scripture in 2 Corinthians 2.22, when Paul writes and says, When I came to Troas, to, to Troas, T-R-O-A-S, a door was opened to me. <clears throat> There's another scripture that goes right along with that. That was 2 Corinthians 2.12. And 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Least Satan should get an advantage over us, we must not be ignorant of his devices. If you are ignorant of these symbolisms, these parable meanings, when Jesus said the field represents the world, it's so important to understand what the, these things mean when they're just in parable form or they're in some kind of coded form. And if we don't understand these things of the spiritual world, and we don't understand the devices that even Satan is using, then it basically is saying in the scripture, 2 Corinthians 2.11, that if we don't know these things, and we're ignorant of his devices, that Satan will be able to take advantage over us. We are supposed to know these things so that we, we can do what we need to do to have the victory. And so you've got these bells. And they've got these ones they've recently made in, in Australia. They have perfect pitch and they never rust. And their skin is similar to the, to the skin of of your modern aircrafts, similar alloys. And they're able to get this human pitch. It's absolutely awesome. It's absolutely exciting. Wow. I just want you to let this word live in you. Because God is opening the gates of Jerusalem and revealing the foundations. He's shown us the sound of the fringe. He's revealing to us 
the power of the bell's emblem. He's breaking down the enchantment of the forces dark. God is raising up a new mind generation. In one of the translations of Bell's, in the Hebrew of Strong's Concordance 4698, Mi'alah, Mi'alah means highway. I thought that was so awesome. That the bills also mean a highway, a skyway, a highway. Tied in with the tongues of angels, angels on the head of the woman. And the healing. And as we said last week, like in Revelations 22, there was three trees of life, one on either side of the river and one in the midst of the street. And that street was the highway of which Jesus said in Isaiah 51, 16, that we will be sent out to plant the heavens. And this fruit of these trees of life are like the fruit of our body as it describes it in Deuteronomy 28.4. And in Genesis 1.22, <coughs> when God said, be fruitful and multiply, and in all those different instances in the Bible when trees are representing people. And every month there is to be fruit from these trees. 12 months in a year, 360, let's call it degrees, all tie into the circle of revelation, all tie into some of the most awesome things that could ever be talked about. They are so exciting. In Deuteronomy 8, 7 and 8, it talks about that there were seven blessed foods in the promised land that the people of God were going to be able to have to eat. Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 8, and one of those was pomegranates. And this fruit of the body that it speaks of in Deuteronomy 28, 4 is all a part of the revelation. It's all a part of the, the fruit of the, of the tree of life described in Revelations 22.2. And we have 24 ribs, which is 12 plus 12, which is 24. And there's the 12 Old Testament rep representation, and there's the 12 New Testament rep representation. And I know some people have, have wondered well, what is this thing about the beast, the four beasts? Well, those four beasts represent represent the uh, the humans, the four kinds of, of humans. Someone says, oh, where are you getting that? Why, this represents these different kingdoms and all that. Mm -hmm. So what are these different kingdoms you're talking about? Are you talking about kingdoms of ants? 
Are you talking about kingdoms of locusts? Or are you talking about people? Yeah, probably you are talking about people. Well, look how this scripture is totally settled for once and all. In chapter 5 of Revelations, verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, now there's four beasts, and these beasts all tie in to the same kind of beast that it talked about in a lot of the Old Testament books like, like Daniel and like Ezekiel. And, and the angels, the cherubims, are the guardian angels. As it describes them, I think it's in, the, in Matthew 18. And they are representing the Ophanims who fell, who, are, who fell and became uh, uh, captive in human bodies. And they are representing th them, th though. And they represent them as they are in their captivity in the four different kinds of mankind or humankind. And so here we have it. Chapter 5 of Revelations, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Now the four beasts and the four and twenty, el four and twenty elders, <laughs> this whole, whole picture of the Old Testament, the New Testament, the, the saints of the Old Testament, the New Testament, which is depicted in, in, in the book of Revelations as standing on the, the crystal sea and singing the songs of Moses and David and the songs of the Lamb. The combination of the twelve and the twelve and the beast of being the four kinds of humankind. And listen what it says here. And every one of them had harps and golden vials full of the odors which are the prayers of the saints. Ties into the prayer, Shah. Verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hath redeemed us. So here are the four beasts putting themselves in the category that they have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So beyond a question of a shadow of a doubt, beyond any kind of flexibility that anyone wants to jam into it, it is clearly settled that these beasts are part of the redemption plan. Therefore, they are the people, the four kinds of humankind. Ladies and gentlemen, it's in this book. It's in the Word of God. It's in the Bible. I'm not bringing some exotic other kind of stuff around. The bells of time are ringing. Listen to them ringing. They've got the tongues of angels speaking in the tongues of angels. In 1 Corinthians 14, 10-11, it says, The voices are not without significance. And the tents of God's glory, God had the tents that, that he put the sacred articles in. And we can read in Exodus 28, 33 through 34 about the pomegranates and the bells and the cherubims 
and the and all these stories all tying together. We can read about the curtains and how there was fifty loops plus fifty loops, and they were coupled together so that they would become one. And we can actually read for one of the interpretations of this thing with the of the tassels represents literally represents the hundredfold. And next week I'll have more time to give you some more scriptures and we'll do that. It is an exciting time. Hosea Hosea eleven four talks about the bands of love. Zechariah eleven seven and through fourteen talks about the two staffs, the one called beauty and the one called bands. And we're getting into this ribbon. There's all these things to explain. Colossians two nineteen puts it into the human vernacular, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, are ministered, and knit together, increased with the increase of God. This blue coarse, intertwined ribbon, tied in with the pomegranate revelation, tied in with the bell revelation, tied in with the planting of the heavens, and in, nation, and in Revelations 22, 1 through 2, where it talks about the nation's which also then mean planets and the healing of those nations, being the healing of the, of the planet's soils, the healing of the waters, the healing of the air. You might be able to pick up some extra information if you get on the Manifestor web site and look up ACTS, ACTS of America, Part 5. Some pretty interesting stuff in that teaching. Teaching about the fifth force, the fifth dimension. As a person begins to enlarge upon all the incredibilities of all these things. Well, I think we're running out of time. I want to tell you that we're going to be doing a documentary on, on bells. Like there's one museum called Ray's Hobby of Bells that carries over 9,000 different kinds of bells. I want to document these. In Evergreen, Colorado, there's a historical bell museum there that houses the second largest ringing bell in the world. There is some credible things about bells. And I have a lot of stories to tell you. They use bells on steam engines and locomotives. They've used bells for so many things. But you know, it's, it's, it's modern too. There is the world's largest quantum bell, B-E-L-L, test. Which is about quantum entanglement that they are have presently tested where they move mass mac, 
macroscopic mass from one town to another town actually moved it to three different towns over in Switzerland. There's more going on with these things about bills than anyone would imagine. And they had their evil side, like the Nazi bill that was actually moved and hidden through the last years, year or two of the war, trying to keep it from being found. That was their attempt to make the atomic bomb using a science of photochemistry, which relied on the ionization to create plasma using mercury to create x-rays to be generated from the ionized, uh, ionized uh, uh, plasma so that the, the fast neutrons could be used in fission to split atoms. Now that's a mouthful. And I, I guess I better quit while I get you too, too involved here. May God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. I wish more of you people would get on the, the Facebook, the Manifestor Facebook. There's a lot of, of revelation that I put on there almost every day. May God bless you. I hope you continue praying for us. Janet Lee at the organ.
Thank you.